Welcome to Lore with Rick. This is your host, Rick Stump, longtime tabletop role-playing gamer. I do some writing as well. Mainly, I'm a husband and a father. This is a hobby to me, but I like sharing my hobbies. I do appreciate you stopping by to listen to some of what we're saying, and I hope that today's topic is something you can learn from and add to. To today's segment of Lore with Rick, this is your host, Rick Stump. This is an episode today was going to be talking about game mechanics, world building, and whether or not you need new mechanics. Uh, it might be a bit controversial, so stick around. Uh, if I've upset you with this uh, podcast, I do hope that you'll write or leave some sort of message for me. You can reach me at my blog, which is harbingergames.blogspot.com, or on various social media, particularly MeWe, and on Minds, where I'm Rick Stump. I do look forward to any feedback you have, and we'll start the session shortly. To some people, game mechanics can seem almost a, a dirty word or phrase, something that's very difficult to deal with, hard to understand, hard to comprehend. Some people mistake it as uh, rolling dice in general mechanic, or as a particular type of dice rolled a particular way for a particular goal. Is the concept of surprise within a role-playing game a mechanic? Or is that a concept that has no mechanic attached? Or is it a concept that the game master just decides? Now, this can be a wide range of things. It impacts a great deal of what we think about a particular game and how we play it. One of my sons points out that the first role-playing game you learn is sort of like or akin to the first language you speak, your native spoken-born language. It influences how you view all other role-playing games. This can also be true, believe it or not, of board games. Board games have uh, a lot in common when it comes uh, to role-playing games, when it comes to things like mechanics. You see a wide variety of mechanics rolling from roll your dice, move your mice, nobody gets hurt with mousetrap, all the way up to complex interactions with multiple boards of side information with games like size. Um, these dynamics can be very complex and complicated, or they can be very, very simple. Some people insist that simple is better. Other people insist that the best mechanic is the best one, even if it's complicated. All of these uh, arguments are something that we're going to give a miss here to a large extent. We're going to focus instead on how the mechanics in a game influence your, your world building. And how world building and your interest in doing your world might influence what mechanics you pick. Sort of a, a meta-analysis. I think one of the best examples of this is going to be the difference between how Star Wars looks as a role-playing game with the West End games D6 versus other iterations that you've seen, particularly the D20. Um, the D6 West End games... Uh, Star Wars is near and dear to my heart for a number of reasons. I was a big Star Wars fanatic back in the 70s and 80s, as most people were. And it was one of the very first games that I played when I got uh, into adulthood in the Army in the late 80s. It also was the very first purposeful date that I had with my wife was playing Star Wars D6. Um, our first date was a blind date, so our first date where I actually... Myself, Astro Out, was to play Star Wars, and it was a wonderful time. Recently, for our 30th anniversary, our children set up a Star Wars D6 game for us so we could replay. 
Now, the D6 system is a simple dice pool system where uh, you have a target number, a difficulty class, and based upon your statistics and your skills, you get a pool of D6s. Roll them and see if you can defeat, meet, or beat that difficulty number. A very simple mechanic. Uh, it's been around for a very, very long time. You've seen it in war games um, way back when. There's some board games that use it. It was a very familiar mechanic if you're somebody who did uh, Napoleonic games or even if you do something like Warhammer. Uh, roll the dice, add your modifiers, and you to beat this number. Very straightforward. The D6 pool system allows you to have a great deal of flexibility. How do you set up an alien? You change the number of dice and the various statistics. Um, how do you set up a, a skillful pilot? You change the number of dice and the various skills. So you can't have the combination of this pilot. This race is very good at being a pilot, and yet this other guy is a better pilot because his skill levels are so high, and on and on. An amazingly flexible system. And indeed, D6 is a wonderful universal system, and it's popular with people that are trying to emulate movies. Uh, the first D6 system was to a license properly for Ghostbusters. Now, this is off the top of my head. I didn't do a lot of research for this one. Uh, and then Star Wars, both of which are extremely popular. The Star Wars D6 game spawned a tremendous volume of licensed expansion books, etc. that did very, very well. Now, as opposed to the D20 uh, Star Wars, which, frankly, was not as popular, even though it was at the height of the D20 craze, Star Wars was very popular, and it's a very similar mechanic. Instead of a pool of dice, you have a D20, and you have a difficulty class. The goal is, roll the die, add your modifiers, get that number higher, and you succeed. It sounds like it should be very similar. But in reality, there's a bit less flexibility of the D20 system as a universal system as compared to the D6 system. For example, it's much harder to create great variances in basic statistics between races on a D20 system. Because the statistics are the same and have the same ranges, technically 3 to 18 in practicality, 11 to 20. Um, it's very hard to make a difference in the races because this wide range of base numbers, 11 to 20, only translates to a difference in die modifier of between 0 and 5. And that's a huge difference than a die pool of between 1 and 5 dice. So your the modifier or potential modifier towards reaching your target number in a D20 based Star Wars system is maybe plus 5 for a statistic maybe plus five for a skill. In something like a D6 system, that modifier could be as much as maybe plus 30 for a statistic, maybe plus 30 for a skill. So it allows you to have a much more granular difference in difficulty classes, much more stark differences between player character races, etc. So D6 is much more flexible when it comes to emulating um, cinematic universes. Now, another system which is very good at emulating cinematic universes is Rollmaster. This may sound contradictory. Rollmaster began as an alternate combat system for AD&D First Edition. Claw Law, excuse me, Arms Law, literally was plug this into AD&D First Edition to replace its combat. 
claw law was to do the same thing for animals and monsters. Then they added spell law. And again, I didn't do a ton of research for this. I may have the order. I may be out of order. Replace the magic system, and so on and so on. And eventually, after a few iterations of this, Rollmaster became its own role-playing game based upon alternate mechanics for AD&D, which, of course, D20 system is just AD&D math um, simplified and with some of the numbers inverted and, frankly, dumbed down a fair amount um, in an attempt to get a unified mechanic. So how can you have a system that's so based on the same thing be so different? Well, Rollmaster is a percentile die system that uses bonuses from statistics and from skills uh, so that you can get modified, but it has what's called an action chart. Now, this is a different sort of mechanic. Uh, let's say you, they have static actions, which means stuff that you do that doesn't involve a great deal of movement, like picking locks, um, deciphering a code, those sorts of things. And you simply add your modifiers and roll on the chart based upon a difficulty set by the game master. You have to hit a certain goal. Same thing with things like diving into a pool of water from 300 feet or uh, swinging on a chandelier that says motion um, maneuvers chart instead of a static action chart. And then various weapons have different charts and you roll on the ch chart to determine it. This gives it an incredible amount of flexibility. Again, you may have limited statistics bonuses and skill bonuses, but you get a much wider variety of possible outcomes because this target number doesn't have to be static. It can change based upon outside factors, including Game Master's decision that this is simple for you. This great flexibility is very important if you want to emulate something that you yourself did not make. And that is why Rollmaster was very popular with Middle-Earth role-playing game, a modified version of Rollmaster, set in Middle-Earth of Tolkien's books, The Lord of the Rings. And you had uh, the Lord of the Rings characters written up in Rollmaster's statistics. Now, the fact that they seemed a little overpowered compared to the books is neither here nor there. The fact of the matter is, is Rollmaster was very good at emulating that, and with its incredibly wide range of magical effects, concepts, etc., it's very easy to emulate literature with the Rollmaster system, whereas it's very difficult with D&D. Dungeons and Dragons have, especially AD&D, has a, a particular type of magic, a particular type of mechanic, a particular type of combat, and does not have a lot of flexibility there. Now, you may be saying to yourself, well, you know, you're really just saying that AD&D is a bad game. No, not at all. What I'm talking about here is the prelude to what do we mean by world building and how do mechanics influence it? If I'm creating my all new world that uh, I'm creating whole cloth, to a large extent, game system and mechanics matter very little, except for what is easy and builds in the rules to do versus not. Gamma world has built-in rules for ray guns, blasters, radiation, etc. So post-apocalyptic stuff with its mutant rules, etc. Very straightforward. This is a lot for me to do. You could potentially do the exact same thing with Boot Hill, D6, Rollmaster, AD&D, 
dozens of systems. There's just more work for you to do. And it may not be integrated that well. You may have to do a lot of playtesting to make it work. If I was building my own world, and I've built a few, it just depends on which system I'm comfortable with. And then you build the world so that the system and the world fit each other. In AD&D, I'm never going to have um, some sort of caster that does not memorize spells before the cast them unless I create a custom class that can do that, which many people did. Dragon Magazine is chock-a-block full of various classes that have non-dancing magic. And frankly, there's examples in the book now inside AD&D. The uh, sage, for example, can cast a great deal of spells, but technically isn't a fancy magician. They simply know stuff. <clears throat> if I wanted to emulate a particular book, I would almost certainly use Rollmaster. If I wanted to do, I don't know, the Drawing of the Dark series via Hambly, excuse me, the, uh, the Coming of the Dark series by Hambly, I would almost certainly use Rollmaster. It can emulate all the magic that you see in there much more readily than AD&D. If I wanted to simulate a movie, uh, the John Wick series, I might very well go with something like D6. Um, now, John Wick doesn't have a lot of aliens, and he doesn't have a lot of wide skills, so I might go with something even smoother and faster. Maybe something like Boot Hill, one of the most streamlined games you'll ever going to see, with just a handful of rolls that you do to figure out whether you've shot somebody and killed them, or punched somebody and knocked them out. So, uh, as you think about this, world building sort of trumps mechanics to some extent. If you want to emulate a very specific property that's not yours, you have to match the system, what you're doing and thinking, and how the system works to somebody else's imagination as told to you, whether through film, book, comic book, whatever. When you're doing your own world building, you're taking the mechanics and systems you have in front of you and making your creativity fit into it. Uh, a prime example of this is Champions, which allows you to do virtually anything. Like uh, a universal system, the Candy Derps, that uses D6s in a way that's similar to, but actually shockingly different from, uh, how D6 works. The hero system allows you to do everything from um, romance, rom-com games where you're trying to convince the girl next door to go to the World's Fair with you in St. Louis, up to and including uh, Superman fighting Darkseid in an alternate dimension. So when you think about what you want to do, you must think about the mechanics that are going to match what you want to build with the least amount of effort. Unless you're a, a madman like me that sometimes says, let's see if I can make this fit within the system. <clears throat> but this also leads to another aspect of world building. World building is, and this is my own personal opinion, something so intensely personal, so idiosyncratic to the person doing it, that it's almost impossible to tell somebody else what system they should use for their game system. Are some systems more suited for a fantasy world? In my opinion, yes. AD&D is built around the concept of a fantasy world with certain core assumptions. But D6 can do it very well. Hero, another universal system, can do it. But in my opinion, it doesn't do it as well. Not nearly as well as D6. Rollmaster is excellent at it. I've seen some great space campaigns based on Rollmaster, but D6 seems a little more flexible. 
But if a per particular person decides, I'm going to use this system to do that genre, they almost certainly can. And I think that the best example of this is the Palladium system, which started off as, frankly, just another clone of AD&D. And it was a clone that, in some ways, was, wasn't very good. It was clunky. The uh, the uh, official game universe of Palladium is so baked into the fantasy game, it's virtually impossible to not use the baked-in official universe for the game without a lot of heavy modification. But people decided, I'm going to use this basic rule system, and I'm going to play a bunch of ghost hunters like the X-Files. Or I'm going to play in the Macross saga, where... I mean, piloting giant transforming mecha. And over time, this attempt to take the Palladium Fantasy role-playing game core system and move it back and forth between genres turned it into Rifts, one of the most gonzo, over-the-top psychotronic games that can emulate virtually anything ever seen, all because the handful of people that loved Rifts used it to make all of their different worlds. To the point now, there are dozens of books and riffs about different dimensions, planets, alien races, you name it, from a system that was never intended to do that. Never let the system, and the mechanics of the system, limit your imagination. You can always come up with more things on your own, add your own sub-mechanics, etc. So I guess the ultimate message of this podcast is world building is about you not about the system you choose. Thank you once again for joining us for today's podcast. Concerning world building, new mechanics, and everything else, I do appreciate your attention, and we hope you come back very soon.